federal support for farming here in Whatcom County, Skagit County, across Washington State. What are the feds doing? You know, there, there are a lot of programs and things out there that people aren't necessarily always aware of in the farming world. And it's not something that a lot of farmers are necessarily geared toward or, or think about right off the bat of, hey, you know, what kind of support might uh, the federal government have? But it's something that we should be aware of. And it's something I don't think we've really talked about on this program before. Uh, so I wanted to connect with the uh, USDA's Farm Service Agency here in Washington State. And you know, I was chatting with some folks here in Whatcom County uh, uh, in the Whatcom County office of the FSA about this. They connected me with Caitlin Davies. Uh, she's the outreach coordinator for the, f- the uh, Farm Services Agency in Washington State. She joins us on the program this morning. A lot of people don't necessarily think about what you folks do, but I think it, it might be a good moment to talk about. What, what kind of stuff do you provide? What kind of services uh, and opportunities do you have to support the farming community here in Washington? Sure. So the short of it is we are the financial safety net for farmers. Most of what we offer is geared towards that. So we have loans, operating, ownership, micro, etc. And we do a lot of disaster relief. We do ad hoc programs such as our uh, seafood trade relief program that we did back in 2020. Um, And we do some price support programs such as our dairy margin coverage program. So, yeah, explain what do, I guess, first off, where can people go to best learn about the various things that are available to see what might fit? That would be farmers.gov. That has information on programs for all of what we call FPAC, which is a group of USDA agencies, which includes Farm Service Agency, but it also includes the Natural Resource Conservation Service and, I believe, Risk Management Agency and Rural Development. Okay. So and now, if, yeah, they go to, if they go to farmers.gov, there are all kinds of tools on there to help them find what kind of assistance they're looking for, as well as locate their local county office. Got it. So talk about the kinds. You have examples of, of things that you folks are working on right now. What what? What kind of um, takes your focus here in Washington State right now with with the FSA? Well, right at this moment, we are accepting nominees for county committee elections. Uh, County committees are kind of what makes FSA unique in the world of USDA agencies. They are groups of elected farmers from what we call local administrative areas within each county. And they actually get to make some local policy decisions, which really benefits the the farmers on the ground doing the farming because, you know, farming in Spokane County is way different than farming in Whatcom yeah, County. For so sure. having for those sure. local guys make those decisions is really nice. Uh, other than elections, we have a couple organic programs going on right now. We have 
the uh, OTECP, which is Organic and Transitional Education, you're testing me here, program, (laughs) and the Organic Cost Share Program for people who are organic. They can submit their invoices to the county office and receive a partial reimbursement for some of those fees, and those are due by October. Other than that, we kind of have our usual rolling application period for some of our conservation programs. But right now, it's harvest for a lot of people, so we don't have too many program signups going on, so they can go ahead and focus on that. So what, I mean, you talk about, and I think this is probably what farmers most know the FSA for, is is support in disaster situations. Generally, talk about how that works. Does that take some kind of official declaration at the federal level to trigger some of that stuff? It depends on the program and what kind of disaster it is. Yeah. We offer many different disaster programs, but let's talk about drought. Yeah. That's the the one going on right now. For sure. So the main program that we offer relief for drought through is the Livestock Forage Program. And essentially what it is, is we assist in paying for pasture or feed because, you know, the pastures dried up. Right. So we don't need an official disaster declaration for that. What we look at is the National Drought Monitor, which you can find online. And if your county has been in a D2 level drought for eight weeks, then LFP, which Livestock Forage Program, is implemented in that county. It may not be right away. There's some work behind the scenes that we got to do to get it running. But uh, if it has been eight weeks in D2, it will be implemented. If it spends any time in D3 or D4, LFP is immediately implemented. Yeah, I was interested in, you know, the level of, you know, does there need to be a disaster declared at the federal level or something? Because I was about to ask a minute ago, I mean, drought was on my mind when I was asking about this too. So I'm glad that you took it right there because I think that's what's, you know, the farming community, that is what's on our mind here in Washington State. Uh, this year, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was thinking, hey, uh, you know, Washington State just declared a drought emergency in uh, quite a few counties. Well, what does that, but that's at the state level, you know, and I think, you know, those are some of the things that sometimes people get lost in the technicalities between what's the state's role and what resources do they have? What's the federal role? How do they work with you folks? Um, and some people don't even recognize necessarily the difference in the organization and that you folks are about, you know, federal support in these kinds of situations. Um, do people need to, like, with drought, do people need to apply then to be able to qualify for some of that? Obviously, it probably doesn't just happen automatically if it's dry in an area. Things may become available, but you still have to connect to realize some of that support, right? That's right. So you do need to contact your county office to apply and you know receive the paperwork to do so. The deadline for that is January 30th. Uh, they don't need to file a notice of loss, though. A lot of our disaster programs require that producers come into the office and notify us that there has been a loss within a certain time frame, and that is not a requirement for the Livestock Forage Program. Got it. And it, that can be a challenging thing, I know, for some people to file one of those because how do you 
document that sometime. How, how do you show that there's a loss when you don't know what your crop was going to be in the first place? Um, mm-hmm. I, and generally, how do you manage that in you know programs that do require that? It, if you don't know, it, like, were you going to have a good crop or not? And then something, oh, a drought or a storm or something happens. How do you calculate what the difference was going to be? You actually don't have to quantify your loss until you go to put in your application for payment, usually in January for most disaster programs. But for the notice of loss, you just have to tell us that you believe that there was a loss and Mm. what the cause was. Gotcha. And the date. And I'm sure you've got folks then in offices all over the state who can help people work through the the paperwork and the, the details? That's right. Yeah. Most county offices or most counties have an office or at least one within an hour or two. Obviously, if you're on the peninsula, that may be a little more difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, with us right now, uh, by the way, again, is Caitlin Davies. She's the outreach coordinator for the USDA's Farm Services Agency here in Washington State. And talking about federal support for the farming community for farms here in Washington um, back to the issue of drought, are you seeing a lot of applications for that kind of help yet? Or is, it, is that just something that people do after the fact? Like you said, that deadline is quite a bit later. It's usually after the fact. We do get inquiries ahead of time because the pain starts well before we actually yeah. open up the program. But no, most people, most people who have participated in the past are aware that we don't open it up immediately. And so they wait to hear from us first. And what's your sense of, I mean, you are the outreach coordinator trying to, you know, connect with more producers and other people across the state. How, how aware are most farmers about what you guys have available? What are the challenges there to getting more people connected to that? Our biggest struggle is just making sure people are aware of the programs. We can't reach out to people we don't know exist. And so we, you know, we do what we can to get the word out there. Farmers.gov is really easy to access. I'm glad they implemented that. Um, And I think it has really helped, especially beginning farmers, become aware uh, that we exist and what we have to offer. Yeah, for sure. And and the the only reason I ask is because I know the farming community and farmers are focused on farming and they don't usually think about these things. I mean, they're optimists uh, oftentimes. So they're hoping they don't have to think about a lot of this kind of stuff (laughs) and that things will go well. Um, But I think it's good for folks to be proactive and at least knowing what your organization does um, and what the federal government has available uh, to folks there. Again, this is The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. We're talking with Caitlin Davies, the outreach coordinator for the FSA here in Washington State. Um, one other question. You, you mentioned a while or a little, little bit earlier in our conversation about um, assistance for people with organic certification. Did I understand that correctly? I, I know that can be a burden for folks and they think, you know, I, I'm I'm doing a lot of the things to be organic, but it's a challenge for me to get the actual certification for that. 
Unfortunately, we at the federal level don't help people get certified. That's at the state level or uh-huh. through an organic certifier. Right. What we do is we come in after the fact. The producer provides us their invoices, their inspection fees, proof that they've paid that, and then we'll reimburse them up to a certain amount per Got it. Okay. So I misunderstood that, but that makes sense. So reimbursing on what basis for, you know, to give organic producers more support to be be able to stay in the black kind of thing? That's right. It's a small amount of support. I believe it's $500 per scope. And I know that organic fees can be much higher than that for a single scope, but we're just coming in to try to relieve that a little bit. Right. No. And and that... That makes sense because that is a burden and a lot of people want uh, to do more of that, but it's not always feasible. And maybe folks out there aren't necessarily aware of uh, some of those resources available that could help them uh, make that step if they are looking at uh, going in that direction. Um, So back to these uh, committees that uh, exist locally and there's a nomination deadline coming up. What's involved in that? What would it take for someone to be uh, involved? What would they actually have to do if they were nominated and ultimately selected uh, for this uh, Farmer Advisory Committee? Yeah, so the deadline for nominees is Tuesday, August 1st. To get a nomination form, you can contact your local county office or you can find an FSA 669A online. So what the committees do and what the commitment is, is it's about one meeting a month. Some counties meet less often than that. And the commitment per meeting is, again, it fully depends on the county. I've seen them be anywhere from 30 minutes to five hours. You'll just want to contact your county office on that one. And, and probably depending on what's going on at a given time, if there's a big, you know, event or a disaster and lots of, you know, work happening, then that, that, that would vary. But like you said earlier, important to have farmers who know the land, who know the community directly involved in that process. That's right. And one of their jobs is to hear appeals, which it makes it even more important to have farmers who know how to farm making these decisions on whether uh, an appeal will be granted or if it won't. So that would be an appeal of someone's making someone who maybe was denied assistance and they appealed and said, Hey, no, actually I should qualify for this sort of thing. That's right. Got it. And, and that makes sense. Cause that could cut both ways. I mean, certainly there may be people who are like, Hey, no, it, it would take some of my fellow farmers to recognize, no, what, what's going on here? What happened on my operation? What I'm doing, whatever it is, is legit. And you know, their community members could see that and, and vouch for that. But also the flip side, I mean, there needs to be that level of, of transparency and honesty too, because you know, and it's probably not as fun to talk about, but you wouldn't want somebody to be using the system either. These, you know, this kind of support needs to be for legitimate reasons and not, you know, (laughs) for something that it's not supposed to be. Um, These are taxpayer dollars. We want to make sure we're spending them wisely. Yeah. And where they're intended. I mean, I think that's another thing that people struggle with too, is they may be doing something good and they may have a genuine difficulty, but does it fit the program that, 
you know, and the intent of the specific dollars they're going for, you know, just because you're doing something good doesn't mean it's a fit. You got to find that fit. Um, and it sounds like you do have, you know, people available to help folks figure that out. So again, farmers.gov. Did I get that right? That's right. Farmers.gov. That's super easy to remember. I'm not going to forget that now. And you can go you know, find out all about the FSA, what they do. Uh, of course, they have an office right here in Whatcom County, and you folks have offices all over Washington State. Um, we've been talking here with uh, Caitlin Davies, the outreach coordinator for the FSA here in Washington State. Thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate it, and we appreciate uh, the work that you folks do Um any any last heads up to farmers out there that you'd like to get the word on before we wrap here and head to break? It's just so important that we have these county committees. I yeah. hope that everyone either nominates their friends or nominates themselves, and we have a, a great election coming up. Uh, the ballots should be mailed out in early November. If you think you should have gotten one and you did not, just contact your county office. They have extras. Got it. And again, the deadline is coming up this week, this next week, Tuesday. So this coming Tuesday, August 1st. Um, And it's always great for farmers to be directly involved uh, because if farmers aren't, somebody else is and somebody who may or may not be as familiar with the particular challenges in a local area uh, and in the farming community in general. Again, Caitlin Davies with the FSA, thank you so much for your time on the program this morning. Thank you, Dylan. Have a good one.